know what the word Catholic means. Okay, it means universal. So, what does what does that say? The the universal church. What's the what's the mentality behind the Catholic church that most people have? Okay, that they're the only or the original. The original. Okay. And depending what perspective you're coming from, and and as we've seen long before the Catholic Church was started, um, the followers of Jesus Christ that had the distinctives that we call Baptist distinctives today, um, there were churches scattered throughout the known populated world then that were independent, meaning they functioned where they were and some people didn't know about them and, uh, from a distance. But then, um, then the Catholic Church was begun in, uh, in 300, 313 or whatever. And um, from that then came the Protestants. Did we get that? Um, put up the chart that, Josh, put up the trail of blood one. Whoa, trail of blood. <laughs> really, this comes from a little booklet that if you haven't read it, um, and if you could move over that way, all right? There we go. Here's, here's where you find, um, that's far enough, that's far enough. Here's the the time frame here. You see the timeline here, and um, the it shows on this chart where some doctrinal errors started coming in: baptismal regeneration, infant baptism, um, the the command to persecute that was given by the Pope, and so on, and. Um, this is then where the the Catholic Church began and, and the state church and, and the various things. Now, if you'll move over, um, there you begin, begin, begin to see in the timeline um, where various beliefs started happening. Saints and image worship began just before 800 A.D., then, in, in the late 800s, the Roman Catholic and the Greek Orthodox Catholic began. And then for a number of years, you can keep going um, and stop there. Then for a number of years, until various reformers, Huss, Savonarola, Luther, then started um, bringing up... Um, what began, became known as the Protestant churches. They were protesting against the, the Catholic church. From that came the Lutheran church that you see here at the bottom. And um, that was the initial Protestant churches. And then as you'd go on here, um, 
Let me just pause here a moment. How many of you have ever had someone say to you, or you've thought, where have all these churches come from? If, if there's one Bible, why do we have all these churches? And uh, we hear that often, and many times we don't have an answer for it. It, it. it all comes back to doctrinal differences and um, choosing one way or another. But then from Lutheranism, um, out of it then came the Methodists through the Wesleyans, the Unitarian. All of those are Protestants. And uh, you can chart everything in the Protestant realm coming from Methodist, Unitarian, Lutheran, and uh, out of those came the Disciples of Christ, out of the Methodist came the Wesleyans, the Nazarenes, um, the Assemblies of God, um, all came out of that branch there. Now... Apart from all of those, there has been, not in any of those charts, there have been Bible-believing churches scattered throughout all those ages that weren't part of the Catholic, weren't part of the Lutheran, Methodist, Unitarian, or any of the others. I think, uh, does it go on? That's it. Um, It also shows here um, the the Presbyterian, uh, where it, it began. And we've seen during the Civil War, there were a lot of divisions in these. And, um, for example, the Methodists were very divided. Now, most Methodist churches are, are known as the United Methodist Church. Well, it means that they united after the Civil War from the North Methodist and the South Methodist, and they became the United Methodist Church. Um, it's amazing to me the role that the Civil War played far beyond slavery, but in, in church history. It's, um, and because of some of these realignments, um, some of the, some of the churches went a more liberal way. And then that caused a spin-off of a, a more conservative group uh, in the Congregational Church. D.L. Moody was one of the, the leaders of the Congregational. And, and after his death and after the Civil War, um, they, there was a merger of the more liberal unit, which then became the United Church of Christ. And... Nowadays, we're not showing it here. There are many, many other divisions, and we're not even going into the cult. But all of these would be Protestant in the sense that they are protesting against the Roman Catholic Church, that they came out of, sometimes it's called the Mother Church. And the error in that thinking is that it is the original it is the universal. It is where everything began. Separately from all of that, there has been Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, practicing churches scattered throughout, as we see in the New Testament. Galatia, Ephesus, Thessalonica, and uh, they were in existence long before uh, the 3rd or 4th century. So... 
Um, when but, so, but, but that's not to say that there's not truth in and Bible believers within a number of these denominations, and some of and some of the Protestant denominations are quite biblical and quite. Needless to say, um, if you haven't picked up on this, we don't believe the only ones in heaven are going to be Baptist. The only ones in heaven are going to be those who have trusted Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. Now, when they all get to heaven, they'll see they should have been Baptist. But, um, our college president used to say, Someone asked me, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? He said, I'd be ashamed. <laughs> but seriously, it comes back to a commitment to truth. And, and God has used many, many um, individuals um, that have been in various churches for His honor and glory. And... Um, you know, D.L. Moody was mightily used of God. And, and one of the dangers is, you know, why do we make a big thing about truth? Because if you're off a little bit here, down the road it's going to be even further off. And, and you can see that um, bringing it back to the aspect of dealing with the fundamentals. There were a lot of people that at the time of the the controversy of the fundamentalists said, oh, you're making a big deal. Well, it was a big deal, but they thought it was a small deal, but they said, no, the virgin birth, no, the inerrancy of Scripture, these are big things, and, and it is proven so. But the battle has gone on through the education process, and, um, and it always goes on there, and... Um, if, the, if those that question the Word of God, that deny the Word of God, get in and teach others, then there's, there's problems. But I just wanted to give kind of the overview here. We've been jumping into various snapshots. Malcolm, did you have a comment? Um, I have an idea, but anybody want to respond to that? Meaning, um, maybe a certain personality type would be drawn to a certain group of church. And I, I think that has to be foundational. If, if what governs where we go to church is, I like this, 
um, then we will just end up where we like. But if what governs what we do is I am committed to truth. And you know what? There's a lot of times, personally, the truth I'm exposed to, I don't really like it. But it's truth. And I'm going to like it someday. And uh, so I better line up with it. But I do believe that a lot of people are drawn to churches because of personality, either the personality of themselves and the type of church or the personality of the leader. And I really believe that is a grave air that, that we're in. And I think Satan uses that. He creates all different stripes, you know, different strokes for different folks. Didn't Kawasaki used to say that? <laughs> and, and I think um, that is a great, a great danger. You know, people today decide where they're going to church by um, what do they have for seniors ministry or youth ministries or, or music. Very few decide where they're going to church by the truth is spoken here. And that's, that needs to be the bottom line. Yes. That, that is a whole interesting study if you it go is. back and see where, where adolescence began, where teens, and without chasing that rabbit too far, I'll just say this, that it's, um, it's, it's market-driven. That's what created the whole thing. It brings us back to, to the economy. No, but, the, you know, the, the word teenager was coined in the 1950s, yep. and you say it's not in the Bible. Well, you know, uh, Jewish people celebrate uh, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs for their young people when they hit 13. And when they hit 13, they go from being a child to being an adult. There is no adolescence. There is no in-between stage. And the, the concept of adolescence is a very modern when, you know, of, of, well, teenagers have to go through this stage of rebellion and, and this seeking their own place. Throughout history, that's, that's not been the case. This, this has been within the last century and probably really within the last 50, 50 years, years that, we've, that, that we didn't go from, okay, you are now an adult. You've got you to gotta start working Pulling your share, yeah, you might not be fully physically developed yet, but you are gonna you're gonna go out and work as hard as you can and, and help support the family and and um, this adolescence thing is is a new is a new spin. So obviously it's not gonna be 
in the Bible, but since we have it in our generation, it must be right. <laughs> now, one of the, one of the things we, we get asked, where do all these religions come from? But narrowing it down, then it comes down to where do all these Baptists come from? <laughs> Not meaning there's so many of them, especially if you go down, down south, you'll see this Baptist church, and then it will have a parenthesis under it, and it will say Missionary Baptist or um, Southern Baptist or Free Will Baptist or we, on our missions trip, we, we were looking for a church Sunday morning, and, and we drove by this one church, and it had a list of things here, KJV, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, you know, it was like... Whoa, what do we got here, you know? So, um, Mark mentioned earlier some of the worst presidents that we've ever had have been, have said they were Baptists, all right? So, um, where do all these Baptists come from and what's, what's the deal with this? Well, in keeping in my tradition of being a Sheraton Charger, I had this whole thing ready to go on computer and it's not working. Is that right, Josh? It's still not working? So all my notes are, have evaporated, um, so I'm going to make it up as, as we go. But, but, um, <laughs> What's new, they said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I just ask any of my former students. Uh, most of it's made up as we go. The, the, as we already talked about, Baptists in America... Um, which, by the way, if you look up Baptist in the Catholic Encyclopedia, which really is a great resource for finding out what the Catholics believe about stuff, it says a Protestant denomination, um, which from the get-go, you know, from the second word, Protestant, is not correct. Um, but the Baptists in America started out as all independent, autonomous churches that then banded together in, in the triennial uh, convention that would by the word triennial means it met every third year, um, usually in Philadelphia, I think always in Philadelphia, for the support of missions. And missions has always been, a, been at the heart of Baptist organization. Um, we are, for the most part, a totally disorganized group of people, and um, which an independent-minded and... and uh, anyway... And then, as we talked about before, we, we had, the, had the split over slavery. And in the 1840s, I want to say 45, 46, the Southern Baptist was started in uh, Augusta, Georgia. And as a missions agency to send out missionaries uh, that, without regard to whether or not they were had any relationship to slavery or not, and the support of, of missions, regardless of whether they had any relationship to slavery. Um, today, one of the things I had, and I didn't count it up because I was going to have it up there, I had a screen that was just of, I don't know, maybe 75 Baptist denominations today, that, and they, they are... I mean, you name it, and they are. I mean, one of, one of my favorite is, uh, and this wasn't even on this list, but I saw it on another list, 40-gallon Baptists. 
who believe absolutely that, and it's just a small group in Kentucky, that if you're going to have communion, you've got to go through 40 gallons of wine. And you've got to get through it. And they, on a communion night, they get And it's a small big group. Crowds. <laughs> they, they, yeah, baby. They, it's, it's, they're, they're, anyway, it's, it's a great recruiting tool, apparently. The, uh, kind of like a fraternity rush. And, uh, um, but, but anyway, the Southern Baptists quickly became the largest Baptist group in America, and still is by quite a bit. Um, 16 million Americans are Southern Baptists uh, or are members of Southern Baptist churches. I, I laugh because 16 million can be members of Southern Baptists, but 8 million ever, ever show up for church. I mean, you can be a member of a Southern Baptist church. And I'm not saying that. I guess I am saying this bad. You walk down the aisle and say, I want to join this church. Okay, praise God. Brother Mark wants to join this church. All in favor, say aye. And that's how quickly it happens. <laughs> and um, and the, the thing is, it's bad enough. We have people in our church that are members of our church that are unsaved. But at least they acted like they were saved for a while or told the lie that they were saved or thought they were saved. But you can join without even... And so there's a ton of members. Well, that's not been my experience in the Southern Baptist. I've been a member of two or three Southern Baptist churches. And, 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 and it, all, it all varies. And in, in both The times. ones I've visited well, and, and, and good churches... Um, I have relatives in a good church, but I was there, and that's how you join the church. And it's like, whoa. Anyway, Any rate. They, they, uh, the, uh, the Southern Baptists have uh, a wide range of people that are, if you get that many people, you do. And you're absolutely right, on any given Sunday, there's probably half that many in church. Um, however, it's kind of interesting in the north, um, Southern Baptists in the north, sounds like an oxymoron, <laughs> tend to have twice as many people in attendance as they have members. People show up, they come to church, they don't ever join because they don't want to be a Southern Baptist, but they... In the north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's, that's kind of odd. Um, the, anyway, uh, so, so they're the first group that came along. Eventually, in uh, the 19, early 1900s, like 1914 or something like that, the Northern Baptist Convention was formed. And the main, one of the main leaders of the Northern Baptist Convention was Charles Evan Hughes, who you might remember was Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, also ran against Woodrow Wilson for President of the United States. Um, he, uh, he was one of the founders of the Northern Baptist Convention. And, and as has happened with almost every group, it started out really good. I mean, it started out fundamental. It started out, started, started out really going well. But it didn't take long for the Northern Baptist Convention to, to get flushed down the toilet. Um, the, they did not, the Southern Baptist, um, what was the name of that confession? Was it the Philadelphia Confession? I think so. Um, that somebody wrote this 
a confession of faith that was very, very good. I think it was called the Philadelphia Con- Confession. And the Southern Baptists embraced it and said, yeah, that's what we believe. The Northern Baptists said, nah, I don't know, that's pretty conservative. And did not. And consequently, um, the, the Northern Baptists went down their road real fast. The, this, the Southern Baptists, on the other hand, still have, um, you know, like we have a, a church constitution. Every church has a constitution, but they have something called the Baptist Faith and Message. And look, look it up online. It's really good. And I would dare say that there's hardly anybody in here would disagree with the single thing that's in it. And, and you know, that, like, like if you want to join this church, you've got to read through the, the church constitution. You want to join a Southern Baptist church, you read through the Baptist faith and message. Missionaries uh, have to uh, agree that they're going to follow that or they don't get to be Southern Baptist missionaries and so on. Anyway, the, the Northern Baptists uh, come along, and it doesn't take very long before uh, certain specific churches are saying, wait a minute, you guys are, are wrong. The main one, the biggest one, and jump in on any of this here, William Riley up in uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, First Baptist in Minneapolis, which was probably the most influential Baptist church in the Midwest and possibly in all the north. Um, it, under his ministry of over 40 years, it grew to over 3,500 members, which was a very large church at that time. That's I more, mean, it's still, still more than is. we have. Right, right. <laughs> and, yeah, and very influential. And he was one of the key leaders in battling to try to save the Northern Baptist Convention. It was going into liberalism, denying the virgin birth and and these various things. And he was battling that in in the seminaries. And uh, finally, um, months before he died, he realized there's no saving this. And he withdrew from the Northern Baptist Convention. And it... it, um, it had continued and has continued to be a very liberal liberal convention in uh it, it was in i think 47 that he withdrew from there and they and they when he when he withdrew it really raised a lot of eyebrows cuz he really was the one who was trying to reform or battle against liberalism or modernism in the northern baptist convention and I, we haven't talked about this, but it, it's a real example of when things are bad, you need to get out. I mean, really. You, the, the, you all, you've all met people who say, yeah, I know that such and such is wrong, but I'm going to stay in it and I'm going to battle for it. You know, and I'm, I'm going to try to change it. I don't know if you saw this, but the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America this week um, you know, said that, hey, openly gay clergy, both men and women who are actively gay, you know, they can still be clergy. You know, and, and yet, and I know people who are Lutheran who say that is absolutely wrong, but I am going to stay in there and I'm going to fight. They're not going to win. They're not going to win. And the best thing that they can do is, is separate from it. Uh, of course, a lot of the, a lot of the denominations have got, and I don't know if this is true of the Lutherans, but like the Presbyterians, 
local Presbyterian church can completely disagree with what the Presbyterian National or Synod or General Assembly is doing. And if they decide to leave, all of their property is owned by the, the denomination. And so if the congregation leaves, the uh, denomination gets all of the, gets all the property. That, that is, uh, has been a battleground in American Baptist churches as well. American Baptist churches have gone progressively liberal, and there, there have been churches that have withdrawn from them. And at times, the American Baptist Convention has said, we own everything here. There's other times they haven't. Um, First Baptist Church here in town withdrew from the American Baptist Convention because they saw they were endorsing or approving homosexuality, and and thankfully the church here in town withdrew from that. And um, there does there you know there's a there's a line where we're in it, we're battling, but there comes a point where it's it's gone over the edge. The American Baptists, by the way, are the, that is the name today for Northern Baptists. Right. Well, obviously, the Southern Baptists have been more, uh, they were founded in the South, and for the first 70, 80 years, they were exclusively in the South. Consequently, You've got generations of people who grew up with the Southern Baptists, and people in the North tend to think that the Southern Baptists are a bunch of wackos. Um, the, and the people in the South have a, had a uh, belligerence against the Northern Baptists, which is why the Northern Baptists changed their name to the American Baptists, so that they would to remove a, the stigma right. that goes clear back to the Civil War. And every 10 years or so, the Southern Baptists throw around the idea of, of dropping the name Southern because, because of that very reason. Um, but, but the other thing is that you have ethnic groups that, that tend to settle in this area or that area. And they tend to be, you know, one way or another. For instance, um, the general... The uh, general... Baptist General Conference is the Swedish Baptists. That up until 1950-something, they were the Swedish Baptists. And in fact, there are still some General Confer- Baptist General Conference churches that are still doing their, their, their services in Swedish. Uh, not very many, but I know one or two out in Nebraska that's, that still do. Um, the North American Baptists, which is like uh, the University of Sioux Falls, um, uh, there, there's several. They are, um, oh, but Bethel, you may have heard of Bethel College or Bethel University up in uh, the Twin Cities. They're Swedish Baptist or, or Baptist General Conference. And so there's that. Anyway, that, the, the uh, North American Baptists are the old German Baptist Convention. And for years, you know, it's just been recently that they switched over to English. Uh, and they are very much like regular Baptists, conservative, but, but there's the ethnicity. So you ended up, if you were in a town that has a lot of Germans, you had a better chance of being a German Baptist church and affiliating with them and, and the Swedish Baptists and, and so on. Um, so when you talk about geography, that, it falls into that as well. So, Les. 
Absolutely. And, you know, so, so we asked this question. I asked this question, and uh, we've got six minutes left. Don't know if it'll do it justice. Why be in any group? I mean, you know, you've got all these groups, and Mark said earlier, every one of them goes downhill, and... Um, does a church need to be in a group, in a camp? And, you know, there are fellowships and associations that have independent churches that uh, then gather together for fellowships. And, um, and yet those things end up, when they become official groups, denominations or whatever, they end up being a battleground. Oh, they're taking it right or taking it left. Now... Um, we don't agree on this at all. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, there, by being part of a being part of a group has its risks, but it also has with it accountability. Where you don't have, where if you do have somebody who is leading uh, by charisma, the politics of charisma rather than policy or doctrine, okay then you can have, you, you have that for just a little bit. Accountability. That's not, that's not, that's not my biggest point. But. Accountability in what regard? The, in that you have the accountability of neighboring, you have the fellowship and, and the respect of others and people who, are, who freely visit back and forth more. Well, I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> but you said earlier that, that people need to understand that you can't win it, so get out, separate. Well, the, but not every... Okay. And then you say that we all should fellowship together, even though we might disagree on what they do is wrong. Not all. Well, but some, no, okay? No, no. Well, you may, you, you he, may let me step in here. He is saying people of churches of like mind right. fellowship together. But the like minds start going other direction. But I, I come back to the accountability. Let's say that I start going haywire, and some might say, you've been there a long time, all right? Some don't know what haywire is anymore, all right? 
but accountability. Who's to hold this church accountable? No, yeah, God is, but right. We're to, this church is held accountable by this church. If this church goes bad, it's this church's fault. And accountability to have the First Baptist Church of Creston come over here and say, we're going to straighten you out. Or the Independent Fundamental Baptist Association come and say, hey, we're... Oh, you, we're could, you, you could say that, but I, I really wish somebody would say to those nut jobs in Kansas who show up at military funerals and, you know, stuff like that, say, take your name Baptist off the front of your church because... And, and when we're all autonomous, we can all be it. But, can I? Yeah. But, you also, but there, are thi- there are things that individual churches cannot do. That, well, or, no, not cannot do, but have more difficulty doing. Missions work. Um, and we, you know, we're not totally autonomous. We, we uh, deal with Baptist mid-missions. We deal with... Uh, me and, and what is okay. what are those? They're mission agencies. Right. They're parachurch organizations. Um, They're not a denomination. Colleges and seminaries, um, and we can say, you know, you can say, oh, they vote, you know, they eventually go liberal. That's not always the case. And take, for instance, the, the Southern Baptists. The Southern Baptists were were an example of where their seminaries were heading down the road to liberalism. And the conservatives within the denomination grabbed a hold of it and yanked it up. And, uh, and the, the seven Southern Baptist seminaries today are among the most conservative seminaries in the country. And I think, seven, I think they're the seven largest seminaries in the country. It also gives a bully pulpit, I'll say, to some people who, if they were just local, would not have. And the one who obviously comes to mind, you know, is, you know, one of my heroes is Albert Muller. You know, if he weren't the, the president of Southern Seminary, um, he wouldn't have the, the bully pulpits only where I'm coming up with here, you know, um, that, that he has. And, you know, I would say we give a lot more credit to the bully pulpit than who cares what Albert Muller says in our nation besides besides like-minded people. The bully pulpit, I say, needs to happen right here. That we ought to be the ones at Hy-Vee and wherever we're at that are representing Christ. Uh, you know what? The people pick up the paper and read, Albert Muller, president of the Southern Seminary, said such and such. That doesn't mean a whole lot. And there's no follow-up there. We need to be the light that we ought to be here. And... You know, I certainly agree that independent churches, it doesn't mean we're completely independent. We're not going to work together with anybody. I believe sending out missionaries, um, you know, and, and most of these mission agencies are made up of independent churches, overwhelming majority of them. 
are independent churches that that send forth the missionaries. Um, we we see. We see the associations. I don't have time to go into, but a lot of the seminaries, um, I still think some of the best, I'm not against seminaries, but I think some of the best training takes place locally. And, you know, it's not saying there isn't a place, but independent churches can work together on, on seminaries as well. Phil. What about when the churches roll over congregation and they get all these younger people in there to get through the liberalism of the educational system that we got in this country right now? What makes you think that the church is not going to go to Mormon or like this church? See, the thing is. God forbid, but let's face it, a very real fact that this church could could go liberal. Well, when it comes to a point where um, they're denying and teaching stuff that's not true, as Mark said, you get out. There isn't anything sacred about Grace Baptist Church unless it's built on the Word of God. And if the day comes, and I don't care if... If you're in a church that you helped found and you laid the bricks and you're 15th generation in it, if it doesn't teach truth, you get out. Because truth is what matters. And, and you know, that's, Mark alluded to it earlier, you know, there's a lot of people in churches that that they don't agree with it, but, well, we've always been here and... And just hate to leave, and Grandpa donated that piano there, and boy, he'd roll over in his grave if we left here. Well, nobody rolls over in their grave, and it doesn't matter what Grandpa thinks. It matters what God thinks. And, and you know, we get the mentality. This church may be true to God's Word today, but five years from now, what if it's not? And that's where the accountability comes back to every one of us as individuals. The, the thing is, though, that you get being independent and, and being, and I know you're not saying this, but being independent and being big and even having a huge amount of influence does not mean that you're on. I mean, take a look at right, take right. A look, Joel Olstein's church. is probably one of the biggest churches in, in the country. It's not the biggest. What's it meeting in the Astrodome or something? Um, I mean, seriously, they get like 30000 at a, at, at a service. Way off the beam. Right. Okay. Um, the Saddlebrook Saddle Church that uh, Rick Warren, I mean, Rick Warren is America's pastor right now. I mean, you know, he's the one that gets to go, you know, preach at the uh, at, uh, inaugurations and stuff. It, it, being an independent church does not make you all that godly. No, exactly. Independent is not a synonym for godly. But the thing is, um, whose fault is it when a church is bad? It's the church. Who is the church? And see, we like to remove that responsibility. And um, it comes back down to us. The where it gets hairy is when, okay, we got this group of people here. 
Now, something happens, you know, 30 years from now we have a new pastor here, and, uh, and we've, we've, got a core, we've got the same type of core that we've got, okay? But this guy is really charismatic, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and boom. And all of a sudden, for every single one of the core, there's now four other people who are liking what this guy is saying, and the core that started this church and is the core of this church is now 25% of it instead of 75%. Okay. That, that really gets tough. Well, is, is all the new ones that are coming in, are they committed to the Word? Probably not. Well, I mean... It, They're committed... It, in, 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 the big in, in, in the big churches, period, but especially the big independent churches... They're committed to the charisma of the leader. Well, then, you know, then there needs to be um, changing the leader or there needs to be removing and... And that's what Pastor was saying earlier. I mean, if the majority starts being the charismatic, liberal, or whatever, then you got to go. You, you can't be careful here in saying bringing in new ones. I've been in churches... Where Nobody the core is. group, we've been this way and we never want to change, and you're bringing an awful lot of new ones in here, you know. Well, bringing in new isn't bad if they're saved and committed to the Word of God. But if they're see- teaching some strange doctrine, before they got to be 75% of the church, the church should have said, wait a minute, Pastor, this is what you said. And this isn't match up with the Word of God. And you said when you came, you'd support this doctrinal statement. And yeah, we do have yeah, to church, go. Church starts in two minutes. Yeah, let's <laughs> pray. Lord, help us to know your mind and your ways. Um, Lord, teach us to truly think and to think biblically. And Lord, we're thankful that we will never have all the answers. We won't even have 25% of the answers, but you have all the answers, and your ways are perfect. So, Lord, lead us, help us to walk in your ways, and, Lord, um, help us to love you with all our heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.